I think I think at that point I, I I knew that I needed to do something that was different. I needed to do something that helped me launch my career. I mean, I don't think it's any different now. Back then, it was competitive. You wanted to get into, you know, I aspired to to get into, uh, you know, for the longest time, I wanted to get a good job in a big corporation, and I knew that being a camp counselor was not going to be differentiated. I just knew that. I knew that. You know, while there's some some soft skills that you develop there that are really important, I didn't have any other skills. And so if you looked at me or my resume and you compared it to a whole slew of other people, particularly those who have gone to business school successfully, right, and come out with a business degree, and I have an economics degree, I mean, I'm not fighting a fair fight. And so I knew that I had to do something to differentiate myself. And I knew that, you know, the the days of, of having a lot of fun at camp needed to come to an end. I needed to do something that was a differentiator. And I knew that that was something along the lines of running my own business. And so that's how and why I got involved with, with StudentWorks. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hi, leaders. Really exciting to to bring you Dan Sharp. Dan is the president and CEO of Infoware Canada, uh, provides software, IT, and support for the legal industry. Um, But before that, actually, uh, he's been doing that for the last four years. But before that, he had an incredible career with Canon Canada, sales, sales manager, trainer, head of marketing, eventually the national director of business development. And so, so talks about you know, a career with a, you know, world-class organization like Canon, and then going into a, another business uh, in the, in the courier, courier space, but really now expanding into to just a, a, a software business, um, has some amazing lessons. Um, and I know you're going to love this podcast. Uh, Dan is, is a remarkable communicator and has just had an incredible career. Um, I, I, um, I also wanted just to share with you, if you know any young leaders, we are recruiting right now for StudentWorks Management Program. Please send them to studentworks.com or you can email me directly uh, about um, any amazing young leaders with huge futures who are looking to do something amazing like Dan did uh, 25 plus years ago at chris at leaderspodcast.ca or any feedback about our podcast. So thanks so much and have a fantastic day. And I know you're going to enjoy this podcast. So Dan, thank you very much for joining our podcast today. It's really awesome uh, to, to, to reconnect and get you on the pod. Thanks, Chris. My pleasure. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, so like thinking back, you know, um, tell me what you were like before joining our program. Prior to joining Student Works, I uh, had been a camp counselor uh, for a number of years at a, an all boys camp up in Georgian Bay, which I, I really enjoyed. I, uh, as I say, I had done it for 11 years. I was three years as a counselor. I enjoyed the outdoors. I enjoyed being around people. Um, I was a high energy individual. I love sports. 
I did pretty well at high school. Um, I attended Huron University studying economics. Um, and I loved, I loved to have fun. I mean, I think that's how people would, would describe me. I like to have a good time. And that hasn't changed. No, no. <laughs> and and no, as I, I recall, you were referred into the business. Is that right? Yeah. So Dave Fear. Yeah. Dave Fear uh, had run a franchise the year before uh, I joined. And yep. uh, I mean, sure, as you well remember, Dave was best of the best. And he... Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And he he still is. He's running like a billion dollar hedge fund uh, and has wow. been for the last couple of years, uh, last sorry, couple of decades. Uh, so he's just been monstrously successful, you know, post uh, post student works. So. Uh, so, yeah, no, that's great. So. So um, if you think about what was your biggest frustration as a teenager before you got started running your business? I would say I loved to be challenged but I didn't feel like school was really challenging. I went to school, I was learning. Um, I have this thirst to learn and to, to grasp knowledge, not, not just academically, but in other areas as well. And I just felt like that was missing. I wasn't learning at a, at a pace that was fast enough. I was kind of bored, right? right? And then the other big thing, and I don't know if this is a frustration per se, but I loved, probably even to the point where I craved it, was my own independence. Right. I loved the idea of not having to rely on anyone else. Yeah. And that was a real, that was a real attraction for me to join Student Painters because of what it would allow me to do or what I believed it would allow me to do or springboard right. into. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, and so what do you still rely on from the program? Wow. There are a lot of things. Um, I think the biggest is it's a foundation on how to run a business and what's involved in running a business. And, and I remember going to the training program or the training workshops 30 years ago, and there were really probably three things that stood out in my mind. First one, the professionalism. I remember walking into, into these seminars and seeing just the way people were dressed, just the way they presented themselves seeing how well organized it was, the support in that room, seeing the district managers, the general managers, how the meeting was, was set up, how prepared people were. And then I remember in these two weekend sessions, the amount or quantity of information one walked away with. And it's like how to run a business in a box. I mean, going through things like hiring and marketing and estimating and quoting and Paint, I still to this day remember the idea of paint, resin, solvent, and the pigment, the RSP. That's I still remember that to this day as to, as to what constitutes paint. Yeah. And you know, even things like managing clients and how to manage customers and clients and employees. And then the last thing that really stands out is just the caliber of individuals. You could feel it, you could see it in the role playing, and I really felt like I was surrounded by people that were, they were going to go somewhere, these people. And I think the takeaway from that was that the that first impressions matter. And if you're going to do something, do your best. And I really, truly felt like when I walked into that webinar, excuse me, that um, session, training session as a 19-year-old, I was blown away. It was just, it was incredible to see the professionalism and how well structured it was. And I walked away from that and thought, okay, 
this is something I have to remember and take with me as I move forward. Awesome. Awesome. And I know you spend a number of years with us as a, as a, you know, superstar operator and a district manager, general manager, providing all sorts of leadership and, 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 uh, you know, like, um, how did you, how did you know running a business? Oh, here, sorry. No, just, I jumped too far ahead. So, so I know you went and a lot of our past operators have gone, you know, sort of the sales route. And maybe before we jump into that, you know, Describe, you know, sort of what you see about um, sales and the type of people who teach teach sales and what organizations may make sense to go into sales. Because, you know, obviously that one thing that you have an, an elite, elite skill at is the ability to sell and always have. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. Um, certainly that comes from the four years that I was actively involved with Student Works, um, whether it was selling to clients or customers, whether it was working with other owner operators and helping them to hone their skills, I felt like it truly was an incredible way to feel comfortable and learn about this idea or notion of selling. And I was blessed that, that after student works and I moved to, to Canon, I mean, back in the 90s, Canon and Xerox were, they were the two hardware businesses to go into and sell. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have software then, right? It was it was hardware. Right. You were selling photocopiers and, and fax machines. Now that's changed obviously today. Right. But you know, 30 years ago, um, hardware was what you sold. Right. And I remember going into Canon and and they were blown away by not just me, because there were a lot of other people from Can uh, from student works who went to Canon as well. Yeah. And just the skills that they had developed at such a young age. I mean, we're talking about people who were 21, 22, 23 years old, and they had skills, sales skills in particular, that were uh, on par or better than sales skills of other representatives that had been there for a number of years. And my experience, my recollection is that they progressed at a very rapid rate in the organization. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I, I, I recall that. Um, and, and you're right, really, it, it really is just so much different that, you know, and, and it's, uh, it's funny always to bring us back and say, hold on, Canon and Xerox are not the same companies they were three decades ago. They were really bleeding edge at that point. And not saying they're still, you know, spectacularly successful companies, but mm -hmm. they're really bleeding edge and attracting the best talent in the industry. Absolutely. So, so, so Dan, you know, tell me about your career pr progression and, and, and what you decided to do and why you decided to do it, you know, as, as you, as you, as you went along through, through, through Canon and beyond. Sure. I, uh, after student works, I went to Canon. I started off as a sales rep and concurrently I had written my GMATs to, uh, hopefully get into, to do my MBA, which I did. So I was at Canon for about a year. I tried, I, I tried managing working full-time and going to school full-time. Right. I did it for about three months and then one had to give. Yeah. So I uh, uh, took a leave of absence from Canon. Right. Finished my MBA for nine months, came back to Canon. Right. And continued sales rep. Right. And, you know, interestingly enough, um, at Canon, I only sold for about a year. Mm -hmm. And then I was promoted to a sales trainer. Right. And, Again, after another year, I became a sales manager. 
And I was young. I was Which 26 was, years old. And that's really probably, fast, right? That's really you know, fast. I, uh, I, I, I say this with complete sincerity. I, I truly believe a lot of it, if not all of it, was attributable to the work that I had done as student works painting. Mm-hmm. And not just selling, right. but managing. Right. It was this idea that, you know, running two years of, of a franchise and doing it successfully, and then helping other franchise operators help develop them, help them be successful. Basically, I was like a salesman. Yes. And more so. Yes. And so when I was a sales manager, I remember I was, as I say, 26 years old. The next youngest sales manager was probably close to 10 years older than I was. Yeah. People on my sales team, the sales team I was working with, were in their 30s, 40s, and some even in their 50s. Right. And... I remember being very intimidated, but after a few days, probably a week, I felt like, you know what? I got this. I can yeah. do it. There is zero doubt in my mind because it is so similar to what I was doing at Student Works. Right. And you know what? I ended up doing that for a number of years. Um, I then became a national um, manager for major accounts. Right. And then I was a director of marketing, national director of marketing and solution support and business development. And so at the end, I had a team of, oh, I'd say it was about 100 to 110 individuals that uh, directly and indirectly reported up into me. And I loved it. I mean, Canon was and still is a fabulous organization, but something was still missing. Right. And when I left Canon, I decided to buy a business and I bought a logistics business, courier, trucking, very old, it was antiquated, and I owned it for eight years. I modernized it. I helped grow it, and then I sold it. Right. Part of the reason why I sold it was I wanted another challenge. Right. Something that was even more of a challenge. And so I decided approximately four years ago with a partner to buy software and an MSP business, something I knew nothing about. Right. But... What's interesting is I truly believe that regardless of what business or what industry you're in, there's a lot of skills that are completely transferable. I mean, you're always trying to do the same thing. You're trying to increase your revenue. Right. You're trying to improve your gross margin. You're trying to reduce, reduce excuse me, operational costs or improve operational efficiency. And then quite frankly, as an owner-operator uh, of a business, you want to improve your working capital situation. Right. So I look at it and go, it doesn't matter what the business is. Those fundamentals don't change. It's right. the same thing whether I'm running a painting franchise, whether it's a logistics business, or whether it's a software or an IT business. Right. The principles stay the same. Right. And so I found now for the last four years, this has been an incredible ride. Right. Uh, I feel like the Knowledge that I am gaining is tremendous. The, uh, one of the skills that I continue to develop that um, started way back 30 years ago at Student Works have proved invaluable in terms of helping figure out this puzzle as we embark on a major global campaign to sell our software. Right. We're in 30 countries now. And uh, we're, we're looking to release, actually right now, our next version of the software. We deal with two-thirds of the largest law firms in Canada. Uh, we deal with a number of global players. And, and I attribute a lot of this to 
what I learned a number of years ago when I started out with my painting franchise. That's awesome. Fundamentals don't change. Yeah. So, so Dan, I'm going to jump back to where you are today and just the amazing stuff that you're doing um, with InfoWare Canada. Um, I want to go back, though, to Canon and sort of helping our young leaders. You know, um, I think it's, it, a lot of our, our, our leaders are, you know, they, get, they come out of our program. They're extremely gifted salespeople. Sometimes they want to go up the sales management role. Sometimes they want to do what you've done, you know, the national brand selling into the huge companies. Yeah, um, yeah. And, then, and then sometimes they want to do what you did as well, you know, become a national director or become a VP of a big company. So could you compare and contrast those roles, you know, um, in terms of the economics of it? in terms of what you're doing, in terms of, you know, um, just just who may like that type of a role versus this type of a role. And and obviously you excelled at all of them. Um, And and eventually you decided to go run your own business. Uh, But but, but again, it'd be great for some of our young leaders to hear hear that uh, parsed up by you. Sure. So um, when I think about the different roles at Canon, I mean, certainly Canon had and still does, career sales reps. And these are really good jobs. These are people that are managing uh, accounts, a list of accounts, um, and, and they can carve a career out of it and a very good one. Mm-hmm. There's also the sales manager who is responsible anywhere from eight to maybe 10 individuals, right? Uh, probably carrying a quota of somewhere in the five to $8 million on an annual basis, depending on the type of accounts that we're looking after. And then at the national account level, where you're dealing with large Fortune 50, maybe Fortune 100 size companies, uh, carrying quotas probably in and around a million to a million uh, and a half dollars per person. Right. The team of eight, you're right. somewhere in that eight to $12 million uh, range. Right. As I say, most people spend a number of years in each of those different areas if they want to progress. Right. And it, it, the way that I looked at it as a sales manager, I treated it as if I was running my own business. Right. Right. Now, I get that I wasn't doing production. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, and I get that we weren't doing the after support, i.e. servicing the units, but I really treated it as if you were running a business. Right. And what I mean by that is, you gotta hire all your employees in terms of the salespeople. Yeah. You have to train them, yeah. you have to teach them or show them or demonstrate to them selling. Mm-hmm. Then we want to explain them because if they're in that position for a number of years, there's gonna be opportunities to go back to that same account and sell additional services. Right. And so it really is something that I would argue is really or does become quite full circle. And as I say, it is something that uh, Canon, fabulous organization, fantastic training program, does a great job developing the individuals. And quite frankly, uh, another fabulous stop or place on my resume. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and so in terms of comparing and contrasting for yourself personally, what had you feeling like you needed to move from sales to sales manager to to director role, just, just, and I know the reason, but, but, but what, so so I would say this, Chris, I remember when I first started at Canon, 
in a sales rule. And I thought, isn't there more to it than this? Right. Like I wanted to do more. Mm -hmm. I was used to running a painting franchise and then working with franchise operators. Right. And now all of a sudden I'm just in the silo selling. Right. Yes. I'm nurturing the accounts and I'm going out to new accounts and I'm developing relationships, but I wasn't doing any of the profit, nothing to do with profitability per se. I wasn't truly marketing. We had a marketing department that was taking care of that. I wasn't responsible for actually building the product or anything along those lines. It was just whatever product you had. So while it was, it's fantastic from a sales perspective, there was an element that I was missing. So then I wanted to move into something that would expand my skills. Right. Got into marketing. And then eventually I got into even solution support and business development. So I touched almost all the areas within Canon, save for finance. Right. And it helped hone a lot of the skills that I had previously developed at Student Works when I was at a much younger age. Right, right. So partly is for you, it's it's you know, and again, this is a great is a great thing and and something that I, I speak to a, a lot of the people in our in who are attracted to our business is people have big engines and they just want to do more. It's like it's they, they it's kind of like compelled to do more. I want to take on the more challenging job. I could have made a great money and had a great lifestyle all my life just selling. There's no question you could have done that, right? You know, but you wanted to do more, you know, is it and 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 you found that challenge uh exciting. So, so interestingly enough, Chris, yeah, you actually many of the progressions you earn less money. Yes, yes. When I went from a sales rep to a sales trainer, I got paid less. Yeah. I moved to a sales manager. Yes, I got paid more, but we were an elite high performance team. We did very well. I moved into the marketing role. I took a haircut, got paid less money. Yeah. So it was never about that. Yeah. It was about other aspects in my mind of what fulfillment meant. And sure, you need to earn a living, mm-hmm. but it was never about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think, no, again, and, and it's, uh, I, I just wanted, I just wanted, you know, you to share that with our, our leaders to sort of, again, that career path, you know, yes, money's important, but there's, there's so, so much more, you know, so, so tell me about InfoWare, you know, what you saw as part of the, the, the opportunity and, and, and what you and your partner are digging into and, and, and developing. Yeah, yes. So when we bought the business four years ago, um, it was a business that had tremendous list of clients. And we have the, the who's who of Canadian law firms that, that deal with us. We have law firms that are global in nature and some of the most well-regarded, well-recognized law firms in the world. Right. We had antiquated for old technology. Mm-hmm. And we've embarked on this mission to completely revamp our software. Right. It's excellent. We're really excited about what we're launching. And we are, when, when we bought the business, I believe we were in 14 or 15 different countries. Now we're upwards of 30 to 35 countries. And actually just a couple of weeks ago, we signed an order in Poland for a, a mid to large size law firm. So we're thrilled with that. And we're going to continue to grow and, and develop this business. Um, and what I mean by that is when, when, when we, looked at the business, all of the leads were coming in through referrals. Right. There was no scalable process in place. There just wasn't. There were no leads. Right. 
now got it. So we have a replicable demand generation model where we generate a number of good opportunities every single month. And we are growing at a nice pace, but we're going to grow even faster in 2020 and 2021 as we continue to branch out with our new solution to our clients. So we're real excited, real excited. And for our, for our leaders, when your company is growing by referrals, that's a great indicator that your solution's working, right? There's good value. Absolutely. And um, Dan and I both know, well, if we only have referrals, what's going on? You know, why aren't we driving the marketing? Why aren't we driving more sales? Because there's an untapped potential for success and growth. Hey, leaders. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the Student Works Management Program. In large part, that's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. Starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to the episode. So uh, why don't you describe uh, to, our, to, our, to our leaders what your company does and how they provide value, how you provide value for them? Yeah, great question. So probably the best way to think about it is we are an add-in for Microsoft Word. Microsoft Word was created for the masses, mm-hmm. whether it's you, for me, for accounts, whomever. Anyone, mm-hmm. students can, can use Microsoft Word, and it's a great product. But it was not designed specifically for legal professionals. And if you think about a legal professional, she or he could conceivably use a hundred or more different features or some of the functionality within Microsoft Word. And they have to jump all over the place in order to find these different features. And unless you use the product every single day, it becomes very cumbersome and an onerous task to draft legal documents. And so what we've done is we've essentially taken Microsoft Word and optimized it for legal professionals. Okay. So that's part one. The other part is within law firms, there are a whole bunch of templates that they use in order to create their documents. We have a template management system. So it's the best of both worlds. A, it helps with Microsoft Word. It helps with drafting or creating documents. And then finally, it helps with the whole idea of managing your templates. Awesome. Awesome. And so, so you've recently redone your software to sort of, uh, you know, and what's, what, what, what has that done, Dan, to sort of, you know, uh, provide more value for your customers? Well, first of all, uh, we've combined a number of different solutions. One, secondly, it is now a solution uh, at any time, any place, you don't need to be at the desktop is a cloud-based solution. It's one that you can use cross-platform. You could use it on your iPad, you could use it on your phone, you could use it anywhere. And so if you think about a legal professional, they are some of the hardest working people that I know. Definitely. And 
not only that, but they work sometimes in the office, sometimes late at night, yeah. sometimes at the cottage. You know, it's it's they need that flexibility. And our solution provides them that flexibility. And oh, so the value in that, just to give you, you know, a little bit of a to quantify it. So our software saves the typical user an hour a day of drafting time. That's fantastic. But think about if you think about the model within the legal community, it's all the billable hour. Yes. And so three up one hour per day times every single employee within a business, because all legal professionals use Word within yeah. the uh, within the law firm. So think of the type of return that they get on buying a piece of software. And so it's a small, like relatively speaking, it's a yeah. small investment. Yeah. The power in terms of the ROI is significant. Well, that's fantastic. And, and one of the other things, again, for our young leaders is, is there are all sorts of amazing businesses like dance that you've never heard of. <laughs> Absolutely. Are Absolutely. Enormous value. And, you know, for their customers and an enormous return, you know, uh, you know, so so it's it's one of those things where, again, this niche business, this niche opportunity. But again, you know, your customers wouldn't want to go anywhere without it. So it really is. It really is neat. You know, people have heard of house painting. Yeah, pretty simple. I got that. But this is kind of these business to business solutions are so, uh, so neat and so plentiful out there. So it's something to look for. They are mission critical or they part. They are part of their desktop and they will not migrate unless they have a solution like this in place. That's how important it is. Yeah. No, and, and, it, and actually as well, one of the things that I've seen quite commonly, Dan, you know, you mentioned that so many of our, our past uh, successful operators, you know, get into organizations, sales organizations early on, and then they end up Elsewhere, and so often they'll end up elsewhere, running their own business, seeing a super opportunity, being a partner someplace, and just saying, "Wow, this opportunity is fantastic! I'm going to go seize it." And one of the things is they get all a great look at the industries that they're in because they're selling to all these businesses. And what do you do? And how do you do it? What are your gross margins? And wow, how does your profit run? And and so all of a sudden, it's like you you literally have you know, for you, 15 years of corporate experience, seeing all these businesses, right? And saying, wow, I like that type of business. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that that is, you're 100% correct. When you were in sales, and just by the nature of what it is you were doing, you need to understand the businesses that you are selling into. And in right. order to do that, you need to do research and you need to ask questions. Yeah. And so by doing that, you understand what these businesses are all about. And then further to that, one of the things you're always looking for is what are the problems they're trying to solve? Right. So what, what is it that keeps them up at night? Yeah. Why have they engaged with you? Why are they looking to buy your solution? And then it's amazing. You really start to understand how these businesses operate and what makes them work or be successful. And then what are the gaps? What are the issues or problems that they're having? Mm -hmm. And you're 100% correct. It's amazing when you are a sales representative or a sales manager and you're out day in day out seeing these people meeting with these people the type of information and the type of understanding that you can get in a relatively short period of time yeah. i was always fascinated by it because i was curious to know yes. how do these businesses what are they doing how are they doing it why are they successful yeah yeah so yeah absolutely 
No. And, and the other thing as well is, is it's, it's, it's also, you're a student, right? You're, you're a detective, you're, you're interested, obviously, so you can sell something, but you're also interested because you're interested, right? Like that's also a great, great thing. I always love, I love talking to people who are interested and interesting, but they're interesting because they're interested, right? They go, oh, how does that work? And what's going on? And, and I know we had a chat before our podcast, just like the last time we chatted and we chatted about interesting things and what are you doing and how's that working and why? So, so it's, it's, you know, and, and again, it's kind of a little bit also going above and beyond, right? Because you really are going above and beyond your job and you'll be more successful at it. But also if it's just you're interested in it, it's not extra work because it, you're, it's just fascinating, you know, and you're coming home and you go, wow, I just, I just met this person. He's, he or she is running this amazing business and isn't that neat, you know, so it's really pretty cool. And it's completely transferable. Yes. That's, that, I look at that as a skill, that curiosity, that, that ability to ask questions. I use it every single day in my business. Yeah. I mentioned to you before that in these businesses, I knew nothing about software. I didn't, yeah. I never, I've never sold software. I'm not a developer. Um, I did, did not come from an IT background. Um, yeah. But by asking questions of people I work with, it is amazing what you can learn and where you can take things. And quite frankly, it's not me coming up with the answers. It's the people I'm working with sure. by asking questions. They, they have all the answers. Yeah. But I find it real interesting just to ask, well, why do we do it that way? Yeah. Have you thought about this? Yeah. Are there any other ways? Is there anything else you've seen? Yeah. Have you seen anyone else who has done it a different way? Yeah. How could we improve that? And they're the ones that come up with the answers. Right. My job is just to ask the questions. And quite frankly, I think it's the easiest job in the world. Just ask questions, and it's amazing the type of answers you can get. No, you're so you're so right. So, uh, um, so um, how did you know running a business was for you? Um, you know, as I said, I, I really like challenges. I love a challenge, and you know, here's a funny story. When I just just before I joined Student Works, and it was just before I was interviewed. I was, I was at Western, at Huron, actually, within Western, and I wanted to get into the business program. Right. And I was taking Biz 257. And Biz 257 is the prerequisite to get into business school. And I had to drop the course. I got 29% on my exam. Right. And I was devastated. I'm like, okay, I've always wanted to get into business school. I've got 29% on my exam. It was accounting. I mean, that was a nightmare. Yeah. And I got 20, I'd never seen so much red ink on a, on a paper in my entire life. But I said to myself at that point in time, I have a choice. I can either let that define me right. and give up and go, I'm not going to get into business. Or I can say, you know what? Screw that. I'm going to go work for a company like Student Works Pay, and I'm going to make sure that I'm successful. Mm -hmm. And so I, truthfully, I had a chip on my shoulder. Nice. I was not going to let that. At 29% on that exam, which by the way, my kids still laugh at to this day, like that, how could you possibly get 29% on the exam? How do you do that? And, and that was the impetus for me to say, I'm going to be successful no matter what it takes. Awesome. And so I, I still, to this day, I take that with me. Awesome. Awesome. So turning, turning failure into success, right? Turning failure chip on your shoulder, you know, boom, boom, I'm going to. I'm going to go crush it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 
No, well, by the way, I I would have done worse on that accounting exam. So oh. Oh, you can tell your you can tell your kids. <laughs> so uh, so um, you know, as you went from a university student to a business owner, you know, value creator in the world, what did you have to change about yourself, Dan? Well, I think I think at that point I, I I knew that I needed to do something that was different. I needed to do something that helped me launch my career. I mean, I don't think it's any different now. Back then, it was competitive. We sure. wanted to get into, you know, I aspired to, to get into, uh, you know, for the longest time, I wanted to get a good job within a big corporation. And I knew that being a camp counselor was not going to be differentiated. Right. I just knew that. I knew that, you know, while there's some, some soft skills that you develop there that are really important, I didn't have any other skills. And so if you looked at me, or my resume, and you compared it to a whole slew of other people, particularly those who have gone to business school and right. successfully, right, and come up with a business degree, and I have an economics degree. I mean, I'm not fighting a fair fight. And yeah. so I knew that I had to do something to differentiate myself. And I knew that, you know, the, the days of, of having a lot of fun at camp needed to come to an end. I needed to do something that was a differentiator. And I knew that that was something along the lines of running my own business. And so that's how and why I got involved with, with Student Works. And, and so, so if you think about, you know, key habits, you know, uh, if, if someone wanted to do what you did, what key habits would they want to steal from you? You know, what's the secret to your success, Dan? So I live and die by a few things. One of them is, this is like real simple stuff, but I, I, I do it religiously. Show up on time, and if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And I know it's real simple, but I can guarantee you it will separate you from most other people. Yeah. I pride myself on ensuring I do everything I say I'll do, whether that's following up on an email, phoning a vendor, responding uh, to client requests, completing tasks, getting a project done, whatever. And it sounds so easy, but I think you and I both know it's not. It's not. Yeah. Other things get in the way. I always say to people, it doesn't mean that you never make a mistake. It doesn't mean that things don't pop up that mean you can't reprioritize. But at the very least, what you need to do is put your hand up and renegotiate. Talk to the person that you've made the commitment to and say, hey, you know what, Chris, I know I promised I'd get this done for you on this date. Yeah. Things have come up. Are you okay if it's done by this date? Absolutely. You as Chris have a choice. You can yeah. either tell me, yep, that's fine. Yeah. Or no, you got to get it done. Right. And then I work accordingly. Yeah. And I know it's real simple, but you need to do it. And what I found in my career is people love to know they can count on you. Yeah. Love to know you're a rock. And if they ask you to do something, they take great solace in the fact that they know it will be done. Yeah. So that's one thing I do. The other thing, and we kind of touched on this, was this idea of curiosity. I just love to try and figure out things or understand different aspects of how to operate a business. I love to listen and learn from others. And again, I don't necessarily mean academically. I don't mean sitting in the classroom. But I view learning as fun. And quite frankly, I used to get bored in the classroom, probably because things weren't moving at a fast enough pace. But I have found you can learn so much from other people. 
And I think there's an expression that goes something along the lines of polish your mind with the minds of others. And I love it, right? Still shamelessly, oral from others. You don't need to be the most creative. Yeah. Um, I'd say the other thing, Chris, that I really try and do from a business perspective is not let things bother me. Mm -hmm. And I don't let them keep me up at night. Yeah. I try and let it go to the side, sleep on it, wake up in the morning super early, energized, and ready to go. Right. I guess the reason I do it is mostly because I view it as a half full, half empty. And I find if it's keeping me up at night, I'm probably not going to look at it from the right perspective. Right. If it gets me up in the morning and I'm energetic, ready to go, willing to tackle this problem, I find I have much better success or uh, a bit much, typically a much better outcome. Yeah. And so that's, that's, you know, what I do from that perspective. And then the last thing is I'm not afraid to take a well-calculated risk. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that stems back from when I was with Student Works, I followed a model, a model that had been there for a number of years. It was proven. There's a step-by-step approach in terms of how, you know, where do you look to hire people? Right. How do you hire them? What are you looking for? How do you find customers? You know, when you have an approach and you can transfer it or it's transferable, then often what seems like a big risk really isn't. Right. I mean, it doesn't need to be. And right. so I find that I'm not afraid to take a well-calculated risk. And that's because I believe that the fundamentals or I have the foundation in place to be able to make the decisions that ultimately lead us to the success. Yeah, absolutely. And and I can see, you know, just knowing more or hearing more about your decision to, to buy into Infoware. Well, here's a business that is providing real value and they only grow on the basis of referrals. So it's like, wow, I know on that basis that I can sell more, I can find ways to grow and grow this business. So this seems like a underutilized value, right? So that's, that's probably a really good, a really good you know, concept and then, okay, let's go check, let's go check, let's go look under the hood. Um, you know, and one of the things as well, and Dan, I'm really, I'm really happy, um, you know, because certainly that's something that we have just been such big believers in is the four referability habits. And again, doing what you say and being on time. And, and you know, again, so everyone knows Dan was, Dan was here right on time with, with our podcast. <laughs> everyone knows. Um, you know, we were, we, we started right on time and, and, uh, and again, it's just, that didn't surprise me, you know? And, and, and again, it's like having, having the, the, um, just, I can count on you. That's one of the things you said is, is, is having people get, I can count on you is so powerful. You know, it's like, okay, I got it. You know, Dan's got my back here, you know, and, and, and certainly, certainly, um, there's just so much value to that, right? For a customer to say, okay, I know they, they, they've got me. Because again, if you think about it as well, a customer invests in their, their vendors, right? Okay, are they going to be here next year? Are they going to be here? Are they going to keep doing this, keep investing in their product? You know, that's so that's just so huge. Why do you say that, Chris? Because one of the things I often talk about clients is exactly that. And that is when they object, about, object to this idea of what we charge. I mean, software, as I'm sure you're well aware, there's no... There's no hard cost to software yes. like there is for a product. And so yep. they have this perception of this belief that we have a lot of leeway in terms of what we can charge. And, and quite frankly, they're right in certain respects. But the right. discussion we have goes something like this. They'll ask, can we get it for less money? Can, can you just lower the cost per user? 
Yeah. And my response is this. Sure, but it's in your own best interest for us to be successful. You want us to be successful. Right. So that five years, 10 years, 15 years down the road, you are dealing with an entity that continues to have your best needs in mind. Right. And you know what? Often after that conversation, price is no longer an issue. Yeah. They get it. Yeah. They get that you are there for them. And it's not a one and done. It's yes. not, here's the software. Thank you very much. We're done. Yeah. It's a SaaS-based model. We're continually improving it. As, as the provider, our number one thing is to make sure we're always adding value yeah. to the client. Yeah. And from the client's perspective, they want to make sure, or should anyway, that we are successful so we can continue to do that. Yes. It, it just makes sense, right? Yeah. No, and, and, and so, so everyone understands our young leaders, a SaaS model is a software as a service model. So Correct. you want your software provider to be profitable because that profit allows them to continue to reinvest in the business because the other possible option is, is they use it as a cash flow, sorry, a cash cow, meaning it just slowly dies. Customers over time leave the business as the, as, as the software's not, not uh, continue to be developed and updated and, and that, that slow, slow death. You know, and that's not what's happening for Dan's business. There's growth, there's there's development, there's there's constant innovation, and that's what you want. And and that, you know, again, we teach similar things and and um, you know, how to how to have a client see the value in you making money, how to see the client making value in this this makes sense that my my contractor is profitable. Because if they aren't, the same thing, they'll be cutting corners, they'll be looking away to get the job done, uh, uh, so that they can make some money. You know, and 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 you know, again, you don't want to you don't want to run a commoditized business, and and no. you know, something that uh, you know just just anybody can pick up off the shelf. Uh, you know, well, sorry, unless you're Walmart uh, or Amazon, because uh, because they've commoditized everybody and they're making oodles of money. So yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So uh, so one final question, Dan. When, sure. When you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? Oh, great question. Um, I think about, you know, and it's already starting to change, and, and I'd argue even fairly significantly. In yesteryear, I think a leader was really the type of person that was telling people what they needed to do and how they should be working. And I'd argue today that, that like, that's pretty much out the window. It is more of a facilitator, right? And it's only be, going to become more pronounced as the younger generation gets more and more involved in the workforce. And I think specifically the leaders of the future need to excel interpersonal skills uh, and interacting with people. Um, you know, this younger generation, they want to be treated like leaders. Yeah. They want trust, autonomy, and independence. Yes. So I really truly believe that the leaders of the future need that emotional intelligence and they need the soft skills. You know, they need to be able to work and help facilitate these incredibly bright individuals. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that I've really come to appreciate in the last number of years, particularly as we uh, have become more global. In fact, some of our development is even done overseas in Romania. Yes. There are some incredibly bright individuals. And, you know, the, the, the education that they're getting and the skills that they're developing is incredible. And as a leader, our job is to harness it. 
Yes. And what better way to harness it is it than facilitating? Mm-hmm. And so I really truly believe that that is going to be one of the key key responsibilities of a leader. Um, of course, they still need to map out where is the business going to be in three and five and ten years. Right. So I'm sure you've heard the expression on the business versus in the business. Yes. Really, that's what a leader should be spending most of, of, of her or his time. And that's where do we want this business to be? And then you have the people that are able to make sure that that's where you want. So that's what I think is going to happen with, with the leaders of the future. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Dan, I, I, I can't agree more. And just again, just, you know, the soft skills, the, the, the emotion, high emotional intelligence, the ability to work with others, you know, yes, people need to be, um, you know, experts in their areas of, of, of domain in, in their skill sets, but those, those things that are really going to fast forward them future into the future. And especially as you mentioned, really, we need to look at ourselves as, as, as not just competing in Canada, but competing worldwide, you know, like literally we, you know, our industries compete worldwide. And, and so, so again, you're buying supplies around the world, you're selling, selling services around the world. It's, it's, it's just such a global economy as, 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 as is known. Oh, absolutely. And even, even employees, we have, you know, they're, they're not direct employees, but we have relationships with people in various parts of the world. And there's another element that's introduced and, uh, I, I truly believe that that uh, you know that, that as things become more and more complex, as a leader, it becomes more and more difficult to truly understand every aspect of the business. And so you need to rely on these people who are true experts in their their area, right. and then you help facilitate between the various areas to ensure that everyone is working well together. And so I think it's real important. Well, that's awesome. Well, well, Dan, thank you so, so much for being so generous and, and spending time today with our young leaders and really making an impact. And, and uh, I, I, uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Chris. My pleasure. Hey, leaders, I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.